Hey, this is Joe. Hey, we're still on vacation, but it's getting cold out there, isn't there? So we are going to play an encore episode called The Specter of Winter. We go into Korean folk traditions regarding winter, and I find this is one of our best episodes yet. Enjoy. And welcome to the Dark Side of Soul podcast. This is Joe. I'm cold. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I, don't, I don't know if that did that. Uh, that went that through. That went through. Here? That was great. That was great. You ha- you have you have a future as a foley artist. That's great. Uh, a wintry wind. And this is Sean. Yeah. Thank you for joining us tonight. I am I'm trying a new whiskey this evening. It's actually cheaper. It. It's half the price of what I usually pay for whiskey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's it's it, it just sounds cheap, but it's actually I just I just had a little bit of it and it's honestly pretty good. It's called Gordon Graham's Black Bottle Blended Scotch Whiskey. Who's Gordon Graham? I don't know, but um <clears throat> And and the description is curiously rich and slightly smoky whiskey created uh, to a secret family recipe Um, established 1879 in Scotland. Honestly, for a winter whiskey, this is not bad. This is this is kind of very caramelly. This is perfect eggnog Mm. whiskey. Oh, nice! Perfect eggnog whiskey. Mm. I don't. I'm not getting the smoky, Mm. but uh, nonetheless, it has a little bit more of a. Uh, toffee flavor to it. Oh, that's my favorite type. I, I'm liking it, and and I know I know the snobs are like oh, it's only single malts. I'm like screw you guys. No. <laughs> if it uh, blends if done right, blends a lot. A lot of whiskey experts would say a lot of blends taste better than single malts. Yeah, yeah, man. Whatever, whatever warms you up. Honestly, mm-hmm. I love because I love caramel. You know, a, a dark rum with a hint of caramel. And this, and this the, says, yeah, because I'm joking because yeah. this does look like the type of bottle pirate rum would be put in. Right. So it's the, <laughs> it is. if you're, if you're looking on the, if you're a Patreon and you see our video, I'm showing, I'm holding up the bottle. Um, the thing is, I can't tell if like, it doesn't show like how low I am on the bottle. I have to use the weight to see how low I am on the bottle. So you can't visualize that. It is definitely, it is definitely a, it's not even translucent at all. It's an opaque black bottle. Honestly, not bad. I usually get um um not Lagavulin, but it's something that sounds like Lagavulin. Tamavulin or something like that. That was pretty good. That was a good Christmassy one, but they didn't have it today. And a mm. smoky smoky scot, mm. which is a PD scotch. Uh almost too PD. It says it's just it's just smoke and nothing else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But this is not bad. It's it's half the price of that. It's twenty. It's like twenty two over at uh, Emart Traders. Mm, yeah, that's a good price. No, I love you know I love scotch and, and whiskey, but there's something about a dark rum. Oh, I agree with that. With good- with uh, with a caramel caramel hint to it on a mm, cold winter night. A toasted marshmallow, or even the spiced rum. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, that that is one of the, um, the, the expats in Korea. That seems to be in a lot of uh, expat. I would say expat dads 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to have some Costco spiced rum in their house because this comes in a <laughs> ginormous bottle. Right. <laughs> it lasts you the year. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I've always thought that that's one of the reasons why Jamaican rum caught on so well in, say, in Canada. Oh, and really? Like a, because it's so cold mm-hmm. that that dark rum is like is like a stout beer it's just it's suited for winter mm. there's something about it that it just suits the colder the colder climates of the north mm. and uh, yeah but it's from jamaica yeah rum rum is not really cheap in korea no no, no it's not no. yeah korea wasn't, like, korea wasn't part of the triangular trade no <laughs> a little bit far off yeah um but uh dark side of canada dark side of canada <laughs> but it is cold and it's been getting cold yeah as i think yeah. we mentioned last week in our christmas episode there's a reason we're talking about this now ladies and gentlemen we're not just talking about booze because it's just to talk about booze we we actually have a topic this week if you haven't read what the topic's about the topic's but about it, winter it, yeah, going into the go, if going into our our episodes blind and not knowing, like I'm just gonna gonna wing it. Wow, these, you really have faith of a faith in us if that is true. See, these two knuckleheads are going to talk about this week. They're just going to drink so, whiskey and talk about winter. Yeah, and specifically events on the Korean calendar, uh, folk traditions and folk folk uh, uh, events. Winter folklore, essentially, that appears on the Korean calendar leading into winter. Those of you folklore fans, I know we're overdue for a folklore episode. This is a folklore Mm -hmm. episode. Yes. So, yeah. uh, So, the Korean calendar, especially towards the end of the calendar, of course, yeah, full of winter stuff. And that's what we're going to be chatting about. We have lots of, yeah, the Korean calendar is really full of different events, like things you're supposed to eat, things you're supposed to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you got 3,000, 5,000 years of history, you know, you come up with stuff to do in your free time. Um, but I, one thing I point out, okay, you're from the Canada. Um, and I've lived in Rochester, New York for two winters. Um, how would you compare Korean, Korean winter to what you're familiar with? Well, in Newfoundland, the Newfoundland winters are winters are cold but it's a mm. biting damp cold mm-hmm. so even if the temperature is only say minus 10 celsius mm-hmm. oh, when you're yeah when you when you come in out of that and you go inside you're still cold mm. and it's oh, the I expression of that the the expression where you know you're cold it chills you to the bone it, it, mm. it go it seeps through your skin through your flesh all the way down to your bones and just makes you feel cold to your bones. That's know. the damp dampness of the, of the new few winter. Okay. We're in, we're in Korea. It's dry. As soon it could be cold. It could be it also minus, it could still be minus 10 in Korea, but then as soon as you go inside, you're warm. But it's something about, I mean, yeah, because we are on a peninsula. So we're by definition, three sides with water, but there was something about when I first came here, when the weather forecast said, we're getting a cold front from Siberia. Mm -hmm. Something about that. 
just makes it feel colder. And, and, and oh, the northern winds, yeah. A lot of people I know, people from even people from Canada, people from Chicago, they, they, they complain the Korean winters pretty can be pretty brutal. I mean, not brutal, but windy, uh, no. gr- gray, <laughs> Ve- very dull. Yeah, to come on to like the get onto a color spectrum type of well, gray. It is because it, it's, it's I, I was doing research uh, last week. We talked about it, like, for the white Christmas thing, only 20% mm-hmm. snow. I mean, we don't get that much snow for the amount of cold we have to deal with. At least yeah, up yeah. in Canada, is you got the snow to kind of like, oh, okay. So it kind of it kind of fits the mood right? a bit. Mm-hmm. Here it's like, no, it's just going to be cold and gray and windy. And mm-hmm. we're just going to sap your soul. Nonetheless, it does make the Galbi tongue taste much better. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like comparatively, no, like the winters here are pretty, pretty mild compared to, to most of Canada. Um, and so just where I'm from, I, I lived in Northern Ontario for one winter. The first winter I left Newfoundland. And, uh-huh. uh, and yeah, the, that was the coldest temperature I ever, fe- I, I ever felt. any civilization was- there? It was oh yeah no oh, yeah it was minus fifty two that was the coldest day. How, I, don't, I can't even I, I can't even put that into Fahrenheit terms. I'm that that's well minus that's minus in Fahrenheit terms. It's it's roughly the same because the two scales meet at I think minus forty two something like that. Okay, that's that's just nuts. So it's roughly also roughly minus fifty uh, or minus something. I think at at minus forty the celsius scale starts going the numbers get i can't remember yeah how it yeah works, my, but it's my, roughly my, the my same is this is like people ask me like how are korean winters when they're not here during winter they say how are korean winters i'm not, i just say like during korean winter it's considered a warm day if the high is above freezing mm. i generally yeah. say that yeah so yeah. that that's a good way to put it for those of you who don't yeah, yeah. right right the, the, the most snow that i've ever encountered in in korea is always in the mountains okay yeah th- yeah and, and that's say like gangwondo yeah well even in seoul like pukansan they they they've probably you know we've already had snow this year a couple of times and mm-hmm. i'm i'm certain the the summit pegunde is the summit of pukansan yeah um, a friend of mine of, just of, traveled gangwondo last week and she said that we're snow now we're, we're we're recording this in early december right, right releasing it but, much later Right around the solstice. Happy From solstice. Happy solstice. Happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. Saturnalia. Well, Hanukkah's already happened. It's already happened. Um, Kwan- uh, yeah, Kwanzaa's think, about yeah. to happen. Mm. I do. I, I do kind of do a bit of. Uh, see, that's cultural appropriation if I do a Kwanzaa. But no, I take that back. My culture is like more like. Well, we do. We do the Southern like New Year's Eve thing, New Year's things. So it involves something similar to that. Anyway, I'm digging myself into a hole uh, by saying that. <laughs> so, but anyway, like you said, like anyway, Gangwondo is cold. Like parts of Korea does get rough. The winters can be harsh. So Gangwondo, Northern Gyeonggi, like where I live in Paju, sometimes we we. And not that far from Seoul, and we can still get uh, a 
two or three degrees colder than Seoul. What is closer to you, Seoul or North Korea? Uh, I'm almost. Uh, <laughs> I am just north of the midway point between Seoul and Kaesong. Now, I'm just going to say, like, get yourself a ca- a map and get a protractor and see, like, mm. which one is close, which border is closer to you, because you're yeah. you are very close to uh, 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 the Kim land, Kim Jong Un yeah, land. Yeah. Well, like I said, like the 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 middle point between Seoul and yeah. Kaesong in North Korea, just, yeah. just just beyond the border. You're right next to the country that rhymes with gonorrhea. This black bottle scotch is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, slow down, Joe. <laughs> so, but anyway, and the North Korean winters are rough too. Their winters get I'll can get pretty rough are. up there. Yeah. yeah. And so, but they have a anyway, really good. They have really good kimchi there. They do. White kimchi. I'm kimchi. dreaming of a white kimchi. We'll return to the podcast after this message. Get our comic book, The Dark Side of Soul, Weird Tales from Korean Lore, at our website, darksideofsoul.com, or get it at Comixology. If you're in Seoul, visit the Dice Latte near Huegi Station to get your copy. Written by me and drawn by Tim Bauer, it's 50 pages of folkloric dread. And now, back to the show. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so let's jump into some of these some of this winter folklore on the Korean Good. calendar. Shut me up a bit. <laughs> so, so like we said, there's, there's different dates. They're significant, mostly at the end of the calendar. Of course, when it's coming into winter, um, going into and including the, the winter solstice, uh, which I'll talk more about in a few minutes. These events, there's 24 of them on the Korean calendar, which is, which, you know, is disseminated from the Chinese calendar. And in Korean, they're called Jolgi. They're 24 mm. solar terms. So we're in the last of these uh, few solar terms now. Okay. Uh, so the first one that kind of really moves into winter is called the Sangang. And translated, that can literally mean frost descent. Uh, sang means frost. Gang means to fall or descend. Uh, and this is generally believed to be the time when frost begins to form. Which so is, you it's should, happening. Yeah. Yeah. But it, in on the calendar, it started at the uh, in the ninth lunar month, which is about late October. Oh, okay. So, but this is in parts of Korea. See, th- this is this is true because the mountains were were receiving frost at this time. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, um, of course, th- this doesn't happen in Jeju-do, except maybe on Halasan. Yeah, that's right true. On the top of the but, mountain, because th- it didn't happen here. It was quite very comfortable here around late October. We we were getting frost here in the early morning. You were, okay. yeah, in late October. I was take, taking note of it. So I'd wake up, there'd be frost a little bit on the wind, uh, not so much on the windows, I guess, because it was still warm enough inside the house, but on cars and stuff like that. And then by the time the sun was up, six o'clock, six thirty in the morning, it it was all melted away. Mm. So. Of course, uh, this is the the time when the nights start to get colder and longer, going towards the solstice. Um, like I said, frost is seen in the morning. Traditionally, this was the time when your harvest should be done. Yes. Like in the past, if anyone was still harvesting anything at this time, first they're they're not harvesting anything worthwhile. 
Yeah. Likely they're not nothing unless they're a little bit farther south. Uh, they weren't hard anywhere we are. There's nothing. No. Very no. like everything. Because I, I walk through fields on my way from where I park my car to my subway station. And I, I do know late October, uh, all yeah. the rice is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty uh, much. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you should be, too. all the cabbages are done. Right. Yeah. Right. So your harvest should be done. If it, so like I said, if it wasn't done, you're collecting things that are not going to be any damn good to you anyway. And, um, you're, you're running late and preparing your, your food stores. And this is also a thing that people would start doing around Sangang. Mm. So they'd start preparing their food stores, but also their fuel. So mm. mostly, mostly wood getting everything ready because, you know, we did that growing up in Newfoundland. Like we had access to electric heat, of course, but we didn't often use it. We used wood heat. But and I do remember. Would, yeah. Yeah. You chop it yeah. on trees, getting the, getting the wood ready to cure. Right? Yeah. Right. You to, to yeah. dry. Yeah. And yeah. you, and so, yeah, you don't, cause you don't want to burn wet, wet chunks of wood. So no. yeah, you, get, you see, you want them to dry and then, uh, and then you stack them. So, um, and then th- this was probably the time when concerns about surviving winter were starting to set in for a lot of people. Hmm. The dark season was coming, yeah. a season of death and things like that. So people were really had to get ready and maybe starting to be concerned of like, uh, will I be able to provide for my family through this winter? Will yeah. we survive? Yeah. So started right around the late October in the Gregorian calendar, which is the, the ninth lunar month, uh, the Sangang. The next events, the next solar term on the calendar is Ipdong. And this is kind of, it, it means like the front, Ipgu, for example. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, like Ujiru yeah. Ipgu, uh, like the front of something, the yeah, beginning like of a, something. Like, I think I used to live in Ipdong. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> um, the front so neighborhood. The, the front neighborhood. Front. The, the front neighborhood. The lip. Eep. It would be the lip neighborhood. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Eep, don't. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sorry, I well, I, so it's me and my mnemonics. I'm weird. So beginning of winter, really not the solstice, but it's the onset of the onset of like wintry weather. It's starting to get cold. And things are responding to this. Animals are starting to get everything ready for their hibernation. Uh, ah. uh, and uh, trees are pretty much in the last throes of autumn. And, yeah, that's when the right. ginkgos are really sad. Right. right, that's right. We have a bunch of ginkgo nuts in the house now. and They, they stink. Taste good, though, but they stink. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we collected a bunch with my mother-in-law. Uh, last week mm. uh, and um and so yeah and this anyway so the Ipdong falls on the lunar calendar in the 10th month which is usually in early november on the gregorian calendar this year it was november 7th okay. so uh 20, 2021 uh traditionally people would make rice cakes uh and they'd make it from the grain that they had just harvested harvested uh, chapsal the yeah. chapsal. So they make their, that's right. They're, they're, uh, they're duck, um, yeah. from the, yeah. The sweet glutinous high, uh, uh, high carbohydrate rice. Right. Uh, so it has lots of gluten and carbs so that it's sticky and it, and it stretches like mozzarella. Right. Even though, and yeah, yeah. it's probably around this time, maybe a little bit later when the, the, 
the chop cell, chop cell duck guy goes around the neighborhood selling chop, chop cell, cell duck. duck. Mue, mue. <laughs> yeah, so we get that guy around here. That we still have. have. I love that sound. Yeah, there's nothing about still, that. That and yeah. and the sound of like Buddhist. The, the, oh, thing, the gourd and all that. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So, anyway, so they make their their duck, the rice cakes from the harvested grain, and then one of the first things they do is offer the rice the rice cakes to the spirits. Uh-huh. They, they it has to go on the spirit altar because you're preparing religiously, spiritually, for the coming season. So mm-hmm. you're you're asking uh, for survival. So there's deep religious and spiritual significance traditionally in these events. And that's why they're deeply ingrained in the folk culture as well. And so that was one of the key things they would have to do in the past. Some people still may do this, especially on their ancestral altars in their homes. If they have a little altar to somebody uh, in their home uh, who's passed away, they might put duck on it, something mm. like that around that time. Another thing around this time on Ipdong was clairvoyance. Oh. And this this was Ipdong Pogi. So, you know, Pogi means to see. Yeah. Right? So, using Ipdong, the, the onset of winter, to see the future. So, clairvoyance. And uh, they would predict uh, the future depending on the weather. Ah. Especially, they'd predict the upcoming winter. So, it wasn't so, so much so, clairvoyance. So- so no, no groundhogs. No, that's right. So not so much um, clairvoyance in a supernatural sense, but kind of predicting what's going to happen based on previous experience. Yeah, we still do that. And we still do that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of places. So, um, so one of the key things was if the day, if Ipdong itself is very cold, it's sign of a harsh winter. Hmm. Ipdong this year, the low temperature was only 10 degrees. So traditionally, people would say the winter would be mild. But yeah. now we know. We use different things to determine the stuff like that now. Yeah. So um, also right around Ipdong, early November, is when people really start to do Kim Jong. Kim Jong. The old Kim Jong. What's Kim Jong, Joe? I it's, think it's uh, intangible treasure number 89 or something like that. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's intangible heritage, right? Okay. UNESCO 133. I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, it's so it's kimchi making season. Right. The, but, but only the, the, the novices would do it this early. Ah, uh-huh. so see, yeah, so I am going to, yeah, <laughs> so, so yeah, let, let's talk, because I do have something to say about that. Well, that is true. I mean, if you go to the, the, the local markets, I mean, it's stacked with cabbages at this time. Right. But I'm like, who's making kimchi now? I, I knew people, I've been interviewing people for different research and whatnot for the last two weeks. People were doing Kim Jong is uh, th- three weeks ago in my interviews. Really? Yep. Yep. And people just finished it. Like people, I spoke, I did some interviews today on different topics and I, I'm doing, I'm asking people about Kim Jong actually that's specifically and, um, and how it, it might, is it a dying heritage and things like that? 
And would they continue to do it after their parents die? This is, these are the questions I'm asking. So I'm asking younger people who mm-hmm. do it, not younger people who don't do it, younger people who still do it, mm-hmm. but only do it with their parents or their grandparents. Gotcha. So, so yeah, no people, I started researching it a month ago. People started doing it. Reda Ipton is often when people would traditionally start doing it. Um, and people still do it, you know, as early as where we're recording now. Um, early now, by December. the time, early December. So by the time this is released, yeah, Kim Jong is well finished. But um, by the time this is released, it would just be one week after my mother-in-law's Kim Jong. Yeah. Yes. She yeah. does, hers, M- mine or, she as does well. hers around late December. Yeah. Mid to so late December. Is, yeah. Yeah. Mine as well. So, but anyway, so the Kim Jong just, just more detail. So people are like, wait, wait, get what, what the hell is it? You haven't said what it is yet. So Kim Jong, yes, kimchi making season, but specifically in preparation for the winter, preparing your kimchi for the winter. You're making your food stores of kimchi. Mm. Um, so my mother-in-law says very specifically, same thing. You have to do it late in the season. Mm-hmm. And she refuses to do it any earlier. And her reasoning is, and she grew up in, she's from Jeonju and they have a very deep food culture. Mm-hmm. When the cabbage is older, it's harder, it's stiffer, which after you make, when you make kimchi with it, the kimchi becomes sturdier. And by that, she means it stays fresh longer. True. I would guess mm. colder weather means sweeter cabbage as well so right higher sugar content right and then so what she meant is staying fresh longer means it tastes better tastes better but the higher sugar yep. content means more fermentation mm-hmm. oh yeah right and which means it would last longer yeah mm. right so mm. so and that would have been really important in times past so but she that's how she explained it that's how she explained it so like mm. oh yeah no you that never do it early yep. yeah so and, she, and she's doing it from a from a from essentially from a correct folk point of view but we know a little bit more about sugars and stuff like that as well yeah but she's approaching it from probably the way her her grandmother taught her how to do it right so um back in the back in the 50s mm-hmm. um so anyway so kim jong it's now kim jong season a lot of people have like i said already done it um so and this is also time by Ipdong. This is absolutely when your winter preparation had to be in motion in, in t- times of old, times mm-hmm. of past. Uh, fuel sources had to be ready. So in the past, the key fuel source was wood. And you'd have to have your wood ready. Mm-hmm. But poor households had to cut their own. Rich homes would buy wood. Mm-hmm. Of course, because the rich today, never... same as today, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. Of course, well, the rich don't do any work, um, so um, they're long fingernails and stuff. Yeah. So um, you have to have your wood ready to heat the ondor. So of course, you know the the heated the the famous heated floors of Korean the, architectural. So it's like heated stone ondor dol is stone dol is stone. Yes, right. So. Technically, that's right. It heats a series of stones, and they all have different names, but then which rises and heats the, the wood on top, which is mm-hmm. you're on top of that. And so, okay. um, and on means heat. 
So it literally means heated stone. Um, so, so now Undol, yes, is well acknowledged. Koreans are very proud of it, but it's also well known that a lot of poor households <laughs> didn't didn't have it. They probably had they probably had an Undor access to one, but they didn't really have access to to fuel, mm. or maybe not always enough that was to keep the house warm at night for the whole night um, or for the whole winter. It was really a convenience of the rich. Yeah, I mean, and also it was designed so it was an efficient way because it was it it was the fuel used to in the from the kitchen. That's right. That spread throughout the house. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, the, the sorry, the fire that you built for cooking, and that 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 led to a a, a chamber. There was and then through a flue and then went under the house. Mm-hmm. Mostly, sometimes not even through the whole house. It may have only gone through the living room. Mm. Uh, and then it went out through the through the uh, the chimney, or like the, they they may have been uh, there may have been chambers that, that branched off, so some of the hot smoke would go through those. But mm-hmm. you know, the farther you went away from the actual heat source, then the colder it got. And so, um, I, yeah, same as today. Same as today. Yeah. Uh, same as today. I mean, in the apartments I lived in, we have ondol heating, and, and we and it's water. It's hot water that's this yeah. fl- pushed through, and, and we know the hot spots and the cold spots in the house. <laughs> yeah, I, I can walk through. I can feel where the pipes are sometimes. You know, <laughs> come out early in the morning to stand yeah. there for a minute. It's so like well, standing you know, here when, when the cat was here. Is like wherever the cat's lying down. That's where the warm spot is. Right. Know? Yeah, our cat does that as well. He's lying in one right now. <laughs> Fortunately, where I have my my desk. There is a hot spot. I have my foot mm. on the hot spot right now. Well, there you go. My yeah. my office doesn't have it. Mm. So, anyway, and then um, by the 1960s, though, Ondol was still in use. But like you said, now it's it's heated water through pipes. By the 60s, the Yuntan oh, was no. made available. No. Which is the coal briquettes. And those are... So anyone who's lived in Korea knows what, or even has been to a rest, a, a Korean barbecue restaurant knows what they are. They're the black briquettes that cylinders. are they're cylinders c- with with hmm. with honeycomb holes in it. Right, right, and it's made of coal dust with clay as a as a as a bonding Binder. agent. Yeah, 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 and um, th- they're heated and they're put into the place where f- where wood would be in the traditional ondol and then they use this, the fire. Um, but um, they, they became very popular, but, you know, started yeah. to become available in the sixties by 1988, more than 70% of households <gasps> in Korea. Oh my God. Used Yuntan. That sounds very like Dickensian. <laughs> Everyone using coal to heat up their right. houses and well, yeah. it was cheap. It was affordable. It's cheap it was, and it's easier to stack. Yeah. Yep. Dirty as shit though. But, yeah. but, um, but it was, um, yeah, they were cheap and that that's why people use them. So keeping in mind that Korea was in, was in decades of poverty post-war. So, but a lot of attention had to be, had to be paid to the floor itself and to mm-hmm. the own system for cracks because any crack in the floor meant that carbon monoxide would seep through. Yeah. 
and so yeah. there's a lot of poisoning deaths in a concrete apartment. See, if you had carbon monoxide and an old Hanuk, you had all this, you know, paper windows and stuff that it mm. could right. vent out, and there mm. are lots of ways mm. to for it to vent out, but not in right. a concrete apartment. That's right, and it gets trapped. So there are a lot of sickness deaths, and people would get sick and things like that. So people during during uh, the winter in the past, some people said when they would burn the the untan, if they got sick, they they would guess that it was carbon monoxide, meaning that the knowledge was there. People knew about the dangers of it. They would drink the water from Dongjimi. Uh, which is like a water radish kimchi. Right. It's in like a brine of something like I salt love water. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's very popular in the North. Uh, right. And in fact, yeah, a lot of uh, original Ningyan is done in a Dongchimi broth. Mm, right. Right. Yeah. So that was considered a, a folk remedy for carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, if you had geez. minor poisoning. Yeah. Jeez. And, so, and you know, and it kills me that fans got all the blame. That's right. You know, <laughs> well, in the urban legends episode, I did mention how there was people who thought it got the blame, but it was actually the carbon monoxide later on. I thought it was funny that in a recent New York times crossword Mm. written by a a Korean, I think it was Korean national Korean American. It it was like, it says in, in, in Korean urban legend, this causes death. And the answer is fan. It's serious. It was in the New York Times crossword. Right. Fan death made it to the New York Times crossword. I can't believe that. <laughs> Funny stuff. Um, but anyway, even though d- despite the dangers and, and the deaths, a lot of people did die from carbon monoxide poisoning yeah, it was from, the, from the untend. Yeah. Um, people continue to use them because they were just, they were affordable. Um, and you can still see them in very deep rural areas some some well, places and, 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 them. yeah in less than rich areas because i remember uh that of uh, some politicians like to go out and deliver yontans mm. to uh, poor households yeah and they they have um i'm not sure if they still do this i haven't seen it in a while but they'd have um telethons where you give donations and the money goes towards uh buying and providing yontan to to poor uh, neighborhoods. There's two things we go. You're time and we do like making kimchi. Everyone, the public's making mm. kimchi. Right. Right. Like those yeah. Kimchi festivals are actually meant to provide kimchi for the poor. Right. Elderly. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but so. there was, there was an incident a few years ago where, uh, 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 uh it was a conservative politician who has a habit of putting his foot in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what country, but he was from the the African continent. So it was a bunch. It was a bunch of foreign students helping deliver this yontan, these yontan to mm-hmm. places. And then during one of the breaks, um, he said this in good humor, but it was misconstrued. It was like he's like, "Wow, your face is as dark as the yontan." Oh yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> right, right. God, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. And he that. thought he was like trying to connect with them by doing. I mean, yeah, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fail. Yeah. Shoe pay. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, yeah, I know a lot of Koreans who still have nostalgia for the yuntan. They talk about it. They don't use it anymore. The ones most people that I know, but okay. when they were kids growing up, they remember and they they kind of talk about it 
laughingly knowing it's like, yeah, we could have died <laughs> any, any night. And we, we just would have fallen asleep and not, not woken not up. Known it. Just yeah. like Weird Al's but, parents. But uh, there used to be a really good small Korean barbecue restaurant close to my place. Uh-huh. And the, it was called Yuntan. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah. And it, you go to these places, you can still see them everywhere in Seoul. Yuntangui. Yeah. Yuntangui. Yep. So still common. It, it always makes you scared because you can see the guy with the, the pinchers. Right. The long pinchers carrying that going through the crowded restaurant with this hot, white hot charcoal. Yeah. He's like, pinchers. He's in So anyway, so the next, the next event that falls in the calendar is the Sousal, mm. uh, which literally means tiny snow or small snow. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, so it's supposed to be when the first snowfall comes when you get the first snowfall. Okay. Um, it falls in the, the 10th month, 10th lunar month, uh, just after Ipdong, uh, like, like a, a 10 to two, 10 days, 10 to 14 days after Ipdong. So, so falls usually falls in late November. It's passed for this year. Um, uh, yeah, but, I do remember getting snow in, in November. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this year, Soso, the actual, you know, it's supposed to fall in late November on the Gregorian uh, calendar, but snow's first snowfall this year was November 10th. Mm, and okay. um, but but we here we had snow on the ninth. Oh the ninth, both days. We had snow on both days. Okay. Um so uh, and in 2020, a year ago, SoSol was on December 10th. So it was about a month apart every year. Mm. So SoSol is not really a major day because there's no way to really know when the first snow is going to fall. Yeah. It's more like a, a day in between. And I think it just per, consi- still persists out of tradition. Well, um, my joke has always been it always snows in November and March. It always snows when you don't want it to snow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. <laughs> we get we get snow sandwich. Right, right. Yeah, we want snow on Christmas, but yeah, doesn't do that. Nope, nope. No, but, no, no. But if you want to get it in April, sure. <laughs> well, this year, Halasan received fourteen centimeters of snow on November tenth. That's the one that doesn't judge you. Yeah. Yeah, and that it, got, it had a heavy snowfall warning. Mm. Um, traditionally, some of the old folk folk beliefs of Sosol was if it was very cold on Sosol, it was sign of good barley in the next harvest. Oh, good! Yay, barley! No, sig- yeah, you know, <laughs> significant, significant for the for the the lower classes in the past. Oh, I know. And it's, it's a very yeah. Gangwondo thing. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 I love, I love barley. I, I do great. too. I'm just joking. It's like, Oh, <laughs> good barley. I don't know, it just, it just sounds funny. It's like, wow, I'm looking forward to that barley. <laughs> oh, that, oh man, it's cold, but man, just dream of that barley kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then just quick barley. Uh, is usually harvested in um, in the fifth lunar month, which is around June, early June, and that's called the Mangjong. That just before the 
the Mangjong, which is another so, date on the calendar. When do the the barley blossoms grow? When do the barley yeah. blossoms grow? Oh, no, no, that's buckwheat. Never mind. That's buckwheat. Maybe it's buckwheat. Barley is bodhi. Almost sounds the same. Bodhi. Bodhi. Right. So anyway, so we're getting closer to the solstice. The next event on the calendar is day sol. So this is the large so, large snow. Uh So sol, the small one, and then day sol is the big one, the big Mm -hmm. snow. And it's supposed to be the largest snowfall. Um, Usually falls in the 11th lunar month, uh, which is early December. Um, it's actually usually not the heaviest snowfall, but it's just a traditional date. Yeah. So. And then traditionally a large snow on that day means the winter is going to be mild. Oh. So you get, that means that's the heaviest snow for that winter. Mm. And then the rest of the winter is going to be mild. Maybe that's just a bookmark. So they just remember it. So they call it day because that reminds them that, oh, if it's a big snow, that means it's going to be mild. Yeah. Yeah, and it may have come from a time farther in the past when these events are a little bit easier to predict and the weather has just changed so much since I, then. Then we just and like, they, I mean, we did have a minor ice age at some time. Maybe it was happened during that time. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Just throwing that so, out there. Right. So, and then we go into Dongji, and this is the actual winter solstice in Korean. So, Dong, of course, Dongji. Dongji. So, December between usually on December 22nd, between the 21st, 21st and the 23rd, but often on the 22nd, uh, an older name or like a nickname for it was Assay. And <laughs> <of> course, <laughs> what? Just the inner, inner Beavis and Butthead is just laughing at all this. <laughs> dong, dong, chi, Assay. Yeah. It's just, it's, the, it's the butt time of the year, man. <laughs> You're cut off, Joe. <laughs> Sounds like Dong Jim. It does sound like Dong Jim. That's yeah. Dong. Yeah. yeah so. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> the Dong. Dong Dong Jim. Yeah. Here, Dong refers to winter, of course. So, and G is the solstice. Uh, so, of course, longest night of the year. Um, uh, and then, yeah, it, it uh, the point here that these solar terms, these 24 solar terms, and then the solstice and the Dongji falling on the same time mm-hmm. shows that the Korean calendar isn't a purely lunar calendar. And this is something that I think is really important to point out. People often say that like, Korea has a lunar calendar. It's like, no, it doesn't. It has a, 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 a lunar solar calendar. Oh. It depends on the, the moon and the sun. Oh. So uh, there are very few purely lunar calendars in any culture. Korea does not have a pure lunar calendar and it's, it's, yeah, it's just wrong to suggest it. And I think it's a mis, I think it's a misinformation, maybe mistranslation as well. Okay. Um, so um, now, and this is, Oh, where things get, Oh, this is where I get fun. Okay. Yeah. This is where things get fun. So I had to do all that lead up to, to the winter solstice. Uh, yeah, those, I gotcha. you know, those events are important as well, okay. but then this is when winter really kicks in. And this is when a lot of the folklore really kicks in as well. Mm-hmm. Red bean is, or the pat is deeply associated with the winter solstice, with the dongji. Mm-hmm. So making and eating patjuk, the, the red bean porridge yep. was, has long been significant, still done today. Juke restaurants, I remember before the pandemic, juke restaurants would be 
blocked at lunch and supper time on the solstice or like around the solstice. Oh, what's the Parts name of, of that one restaurant? Hold on. Oh. Bonju? No, 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 no. Um, so so while up, you're but anyway, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, we're, uh, but, but I, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's called Second Best in Seoul. Okay. Uh, it, it, no, it's a restaurant called Second Best in Seoul, and mm-hmm. it's known for its uh, pachuk. It, uh, it's, it's opened in 76. Uh, okay. So, so uh, it's called Sol Sol Duchero Chilhanenjip. Chalhanenjip, sorry, Chalhanenjip. Chalhanenjip. They so, do it well. So, Duchero Chalhanenjip. Mm. Yeah, I've been there once. It's pretty good. Oh, good. Yeah. So, so the, the Pachuk is the tr- the really deeply traditional Korean winter food. Um, mm. And I like pat. I like patchu. Yeah, I like, it's not I like, sweet. No, right. I like pat. I like red bean when it's hot. I mm-hmm. don't like it when I've said before. I, I hate it when it's cold. I don't like pat bingsu. The the, the no, I like it. The red bean ice cream. I hate it. Yeah, but I love red bean when it's when it's hot. To me, from where I come from, it tastes a lot. It reminds me a lot of red beans and rice. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's see that. Right. So, anyway, so. This became so significant uh, for as like as a winter food that offering patju at household shrines became very significant. Mm. So shrines for like the household gods uh, and and whatnot. So if you prepared and similarly, if you prepared patju, if you made it, the first bowl was always offered to your ancestors, the spirits of your ancestors. Mm. And this had a specific word. It's Dongji Gosa. So very, very important in the past. And I still, I do know people who still do this mm. right around this time of year. Um, and also in the past, it would be traditional to put a small bowl of patjuk in every room of your house. Wow. That's just covering all your bases. Yeah. Yeah. So this was the, the folk belief linked to the fear of winter. Winter truly was the dark time of year. And if you can see it in traditions around the world, um, the thing of the Irish, the, either the ancient Celts using Samhain and you know, Halloween, what became yeah. Halloween, to prepare for the dark season, to prepare yeah. for winter. All of it is linked. The, these huge traditions and cultures can be found all around the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. That countries that experience, um, you know, pretty harsh winters. Yule logs. The Yule log, there you go. The, the old Yule, and the Yule tide has already started, right? Mm. Now, like early December, Yule tide uh, is is started today. Actually, well, yesterday was uh, mm. was Krampus. It was Krampus Oh, okay. So the Krampus Krampus How do you say it in German? Nacht. Your, Krampus Nacht. Nacht. Krampus Nacht. Okay. I mean, I mean, so, I mean, modern. Some people might say Nacht, but it's not. I like saying Nacht. Okay. Fun. <laughs> so. Um, Anyway, so all of these traditions are linked to the fear of winter and just doing everything you could within your folk beliefs to, to ward off death, the dark season. So um, another key thing that people would do in this regard is they would, after making patjuk, they would smear it on the doors and walls of their homes. 
to ward off evil, evil spirits. So everyone go back and you want more about things like that. Listen to our warding off evil episode, which is way back now. It's so funny how similarities, because I mean, do you think about the lamb's blood on the door and the Exodus story for Passover, right? Yeah. Mm. So there you go. It's very similar. Yeah. Yeah, This is everything. Angel of death. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that you and I chatted about before. I want to do an episode eventually, and I'm slowly kind of putting it together because it's a massive undertaking of my very firm belief that understanding folklore and having a broader understanding of folklore from traditions around the world and cultures around the world could really help us to get over all of the prejudices we have for each other. Oh my God. That's a PhD thesis, not a (laughs) podcast episode. (laughs) I would only do it. I'd only do it as one. I would just give examples. So, and and, and that's actually the, some of the, the theme of my, of my tour is like to, and, through heritage interpretation, try to interpret Korean folklore in such a way that to link it to beliefs around the world. And then people oh. are like, huh, we're not so different after all. Oh, that's how your superpowers are used for good. Okay. Yes, that's right. Oh. My superpowers are used for evil by drinking a lot of alcohol. Mm. So anyway, so shamanic rites, similarly, we're depending on the, could be from region to region, um, were linked were linked to Patjuk, and they would chant. They would make Pat shamans would make Patjuk, and then they would chant over it, and then they'd spread it around the home to expel evil. Okay. Um, Buddhists also did something similar. They'd make prayers um, to ancestral spirits to keep evil away around this time of year with the mm-hmm. Patjuk. And all of this may be linked to a single folktale. Oh. And I'm going to share that folktale right now. Okay. So it's not too long, but everyone sit sit back and get cozy. Oh, okay. Already in. Already there. Welcome to Sean's lap. Everyone get cozy. Welcome to grandpa's lap. Okay. (laughs) Long ago, a short while before the beginning of winter, A man fretted over his sick son. The boy was deathly ill, and nothing seemed to cure him. No medicine and no prayer helped the boy to recover. Soon, on the cold morning of the winter solstice, the boy died. The boy's spirit resented his sickness and pain and death. He likewise resented the living, especially those who were healthy. The boy's vengeful spirit roamed the winter landscape, bringing illness and pain. And every year on the anniversary of his death, the winter solstice, the boy's evil spirit returned. The people feared this wicked ghost. No amount of offerings seemed to appease him. One year, as the winter solstice approached and the people dreaded the looming annual threat, the father thought hard about how to stop his son's baneful spirit. And suddenly he had it, red bean porridge. His son hated red bean porridge and and had always refused to eat it. Perhaps now, as an intangible entity, the boy was still disgusted by this simple food. The father rushed to spread the word to the people 
to smear red bean porridge on their doors to keep the ghost away. Desperate to try anything, the people listened. The smell of red bean porridge permeated the land, and every home was painted a dark purplish red from the porridge. That evening, as the sun descended on the winter solstice, the boy's resentful ghost appeared. He tried to enter a home to bring the people inside sickness, but he stopped. He was repulsed by the red bean porridge caked across the door. The ghost moved to the next house, and there too he couldn't enter, for again, the thing he hated most blocked his way. The ghost moved from house to house to house, and not a single one could he enter. Repulsed and angry, the evil spirit disappeared. Not a single person in the land became sick on that winter solstice. And from that time onward, on the longest night of the year, people ate red bean porridge and were sure to smear a little bit across their doors. Mm. So that might be a story that helps to explain this, an old folk tale. I love that story as well. That's really nice. Yeah. I mean, not nice, it's, but you know. It's, well, it's, a it's cool. Yeah, it's sorry. Cool. So, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so some also so this was something that was done in the past some places will still do this they may not absolutely cake their doors in it um in times past people would often use uh pine pine branches dipped in mm. dipped in pat juke and they'd use the pine branch kind of as a paintbrush to to smear it across their doors and their walls uh. um some people still do this i do know some people who do it but they'll put like just a little bit with like their thumbs just across their door and it's more as a way to keep the tradition alive. Ah, okay. It's just just kind of a heritage kind of thing, and I think that's great. Not of mostly not out of literal belief, but as a way to maintain this kind of interesting yeah. heritage that their people have been have been doing for a very very long time. So it's culture. It's 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 maintaining folk culture, but not through literal belief. Yeah, so. it's saying bless you after you sneeze. Right, exactly. Knocking on wood and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so some regions, though, in the past, in some regions, if a household was in mourning, if someone had died and they were still in mourning, yeah. that household wouldn't eat patchuk on Dongji because the spirits of the dead hate the color red. They hate the patchuk. So they couldn't make it. They would anger the dead person whose spirit was in the home, like I said. So instead, they'd make bindeju. Oh, really? Uh, uh, okay, mung bean. Mung bean. And I, I don't know if I've ever eaten mung bean I don't think I have. Porridge. I'm not sure if I want to. I don't, I don't even know if I've ever seen it. Um, but I, I'd imagine, you know, there are records of this being done. So it might be a food of the past or something done specifically for uh, morning households during during Dongji instead of doing the Patju. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing was eating as much red bean porridge as you could was considered <laughs> auspicious. Uh -huh. it, was, it was very good to do that. But of course, it wasn't always possible, especially for for the lower classes. Yeah, I know, but I'm just like, okay, because around that time, I was also Lunar New Year. You're eating a lot of dokguk, and then you're eating a lot of patjuk. 
Yeah. Well, that's another another interesting thing that I'll mention. I haven't, I didn't put it in the notes, but so, like you said, the lunar new year, the sol, um, the the solal, so the the lunar new year, which is roughly a month or more after Dongji, um, depending on how the calendar moves. But today in Korean culture, people get a year older on the lunar new year, but farther in the past people got older on winter solstice not the new year oh it changed over time so another word nickname for dongji was sosal small new year mm. so it was in the past the winter solstice was one of the most important days of the year just as important as sol and and whatnot so but it's good that the importance of the day itself is is gone it's kind of kind of diminished quite a wow. bit wow so um there are omens related to uh the the winter solstice uh unseasonable warmth on the winter solstice meant mm-hmm. that there was disease coming in the new year an epidemic uh Heavy snow on the solstice was sign of a good harvest in the next year. Mm-hmm. A hawk flying over your house on Dongji was sign of coming death. There would be a death in your household coming soon. Oh. I saw a hawk actually a couple of days ago, landed uh-huh. on the window right in front of my house. May, as they're called in Korean. May. Yeah. Beautiful birds. Got yeah. quite a few of them around here. Um, another interesting thing. Patterns on ice, on ponds, pond ice especially. Oh, okay. I think that was um, something like similar to the ice cabades. Patterns on ice over <laughs> no. at the local civic center. Okay. Cracks and patterns and like that on pond ice. Uh-huh. In the past was called Yonggyung. Yonggyung means a dragon's plow or the plowing of a dragon, the dragon's plowing. Mm-hmm. So people believed when they'd wake up in the morning and especially on the solstice and they'd see these patterns and these scrape and crack lines all along pond ice, mm-hmm. they thought dragons made them. Oh, cool. And they thought they represented tilling marks like on, like in a field. Mm-hmm. And the people use them for divination. They divine the future from these patterns. If so, for example, if marks ran from north to south, it was a sign of a good harvest to come. Oh. If they ran from east to west, it was a bad harvest. Now, this very likely didn't exist widely across Korea. Um, it may have existed in various regions, but specifically, there is a record from 1849 that said this was a practice done in Hapdok, which is uh, today in Chungcheong Namdo. Mm-hmm. I think it's up now these days. It's Hapdok up. So it means a very small area. Um, a couple of royal things related to um, the solstice. Um, some people are you know, interested in what the royals may have done. Me, much less so. But um, kings would visit the Jongmyo around Dongji. The Jongmyo is oh, really? the 
is the big shrine. Yeah. Built in 1394. Uh, it's a UNESCO heritage site. Um, and uh, it was, it's where memorials were head for or held for the dead Royals. So Kings would visit there around Dongji. So showing that it was also an, an important day for the state. Um, and for that particular visit in the past, tangerines from Jeju-do were sent to Seoul specifically to be taken to the Jongmyo, to the shrine, mm-hmm. and offered to the spirits of the dead royals. Um, chosen diplomats, usually ministers or prime ministers, they were sent to China around Dongji specifically, because it's also a very significant date in the Chinese calendar. And this was very common in the Ming dynasty, of course, and that ended in uh, the 16, 1640s, I want to say. I think that's right, because it was, um, it was uh, uh, after the invasions of Chosun in the 1630s. I think it fell a little bit after that. And then it turned into the Qing dynasty, of course, and that ran until, when was that? 1912, Joe, do you remember? Mm. 1912 right right around the early 20th century yeah yeah right so because i know it was right around the time of the the japanese occupation of korea 1910 yeah and that was 1910 i think the Qing fell in 1912 um yeah yeah i watched the last emperor okay (laughs) so anyway so diplomats would go it was dongji was considered a very important time of year I, i think it would have been awful traveling from Chosun, from the capital, which is now called Seoul, of course, to Peking mm-hmm. in the winter. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been, and you're going north. Yeah. And they would have probably, they would have sailed, but maybe, maybe sailing across no, the yellow. No, no, it, it was, I think it was mostly land. Yeah. Oh, really? Land I mean, routes. There was land routes. Even for diplomat, like high-ranking diplomats, I think so. I don't. Okay, I, I could go back and check, but mm. I know you would think sailing would be make a lot more sense because it's a more mm-hmm. direct route. Mm. But, uh, it's always about because they're always talking about the Jurchen tribes and everything, keeping mm. people out, and, and like they they would, they would they would mess up a lot of the caravans going between Beijing, Peking, and and um, mm. and Seoul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hansong. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. No, I I don't know. Yeah, that's that's uh, not really my territory. But now I'm now I'm curious. Now let's do a show about it. Let's do a show about it. This is some. See, everyone everyone who's been listening to us for a while knows this. Is, we sometimes get the backlog show of shows we are, we're working on. Right. Right. So, uh, and anyway, and then the day after Dongji, so. Technically, you know, when the longest night of the longest night of the year is finished mm. and the days slowly start to get longer, it was traditionally believed this was a time when vitality and strength returned to people as well. Oh yeah. Oh baby. This time to so, eat some eel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just a couple of things uh before we close. After Dongji, so continue on to what I was what I was just saying about the beliefs of strength returning to the people on the on the day after. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were certain things done after 
certain festivals, rites, and things like, not festivals, but rites and observations. One was Kisalche, uh, which is a snow ritual that prayed for snowfall. This usually happened around the, um, usually around the, the end of the 11th lunar month and mm. going into the 12th lunar month. So the end of the year, it wasn't a specific day. But it was generally thought that if there wasn't snow, even a little bit, and definitely in parts of um, the peninsula, by, you know, by Dongji and by a little bit after Dongji, then um, it, it, it was bad news. Uh, it could mean, um, the, way I th- the way I look at it is that the people probably knew that it would mean uh, small, a small amount of, of uh, spring melt. Mm-hmm. And then the, the streams and whatnot coming off of the mountains would not feed into the larger rivers. And then you just wouldn't have water for your fields because the better, the, the general idea was that no snow meant a poor harvest. So I think, so my idea is that the concept probably was they knew there would be little less water. It'd be a yeah. dry spring. Oh, so, okay. So, uh, and then another day, uh, that fell after the winter solstice was called Nabil, which was a day of hunting and uh, snow. If snow fell on the Nabil, it was auspicious and people would mix that snow into folk medicine. Oh, I'm sure penises and, are involved. <laughs> well, they mix it with different things. Yeah. They turn it into like a, a, a plaster. I think in some of the records they say, um, and it would also be consumed. They drink it. And then they'd also use this to wash uh, different items. They cleanse items with this snow. Oh, once purity. it was melted, uh, uh, purify uh. them. And it was believed that it would keep uh, insects, especially away from certain things like moths away from your stored clothing. Mm. And so there you have it. That mm. is some and I mean, only some, there's more. That's some of the really interesting folklore, some of it ghostly linked to uh, the winter solstice and winter in the early, the early days of winter in anyway, in Korean folk culture. Wow. That's a lot going on there. That's a busy calendar. Yeah. So like I was saying, like it was, it was a massive day in the past hugely important to the calendar and yeah that's it's just kind of it's disappeared like some people like i said some people still eat patju i do i I do i I enjoy i really enjoy it um i definitely link it to winter i've been here long enough now where it it, like i recognize it now as well as a winter food yeah i i I, i've craved patjuk and i'll crave you know uh, Dokuk, you know, on, on yeah. a chilly lunar mm-hmm. new year morning. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, but the importance of this day in particular, even though like people will still say, oh, it's Dongji today and things like that. Um, the traditions are kind of, um, kind of diminished. And I think that's kind of, yeah. Kind of it's the only ones we pay attention to as far as that similar is like Bugnal, the, the mm. summer, the three mm. su- dog days of summer. Dog days of summer, yeah. yeah. Right. So we'll return to the podcast after this message. Take a walk down the dark alleys of the Forgotten Six Hundred Year History of Bloody Massacre. 
Speedy highways and wang ghosts come face to face with souls deepest darkest secrets. What lies under the concrete? Or who? The dark side of soul ghost walk will now if you dare. That's do it. Have any, uh, do we have any media recommendations? Yeah, just a couple. And I thought to recommend some movies, horror movies that center around winter or snow. Um, so I like I often try to avoid popular ones, like I, I've said before. Uh, just inter- uh, you know, recommend yeah, ones no. that are a little less known, but. All right. I can't. This is one of my favorite movies. I can't help but recommend it if no one's seen it. Misery. Mm-hmm. My favorite Stephen King book, and it's my favorite Stephen King ad- film ad- adaptation. Yeah. I love Misery. I love it. That's what um, I got to rewatch it sometime. I haven't watched it in a long, long time. I saw it, I think, um, two years ago mm-hmm. on, on the beginning of December. I was like, ah, watch it's You know, it's coming up on winter. I want to watch something a horror movie that's kind of snow is like the shining. I was like, no, Ooh, that's, so, yeah, yeah. and I was okay. like, but I, but I didn't want to watch it. And I was like, ah, oh, misery, misery, misery. Yeah. Anyway. So that one, another one, one of my favorite, favorite films, let the right one in. And I've recommended that before. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I don't remember which episode, but let the right one in, uh, and the remake also, um, uh, uh let me in, which is which is quite good. The Abominable Snowman. I think I recommended that before too. Uh, that's great. Nineteen fifty-seven. Of course, it's a movie about it's a Hammer film. Peter okay, Cushing. it's not Rankin Bass. It's not Rankin. It's not not about the Bumble. Bumbles bounce. <laughs> um, Bumbles bounce. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to watch that soon. Um, and uh, and. Yeah, good film. It's great. It's fantastic. A lot of fun. So it's about the Yeti, of course. But the first movie to feature the Yeti is The Snow Creature, 1950. I'm blanking on it now. I think it's 1954. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> These are media the- recommendations. You remember this. This is media well, recommendations. I, I often recommend bad films. Some people like bad films. So um, I like me. I like sometimes I do like bad films. Um, the Snow Creature is terrible. I'll, I'll explain just briefly how bad this movie is. Without I mean, is, is mystery science theater worthy? Oh, yeah, I'd say. I'd say <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is how bad this movie is. It's set in the Himalaya. Mm-hmm. And well, the end of it's actually in California, but uh, it's set in the in the Himalaya. And um, a, a botanist and his team hire a group of Sherpas to to guide them up into the mountains, into the Himalaya. Mm-hmm. There are scenes when the Sherpas are talking to each other and keeping in mind that Sherpas are an ethnic group. Mm-hmm. They could, they're their name means people of the East mm-hmm. um, derived from a Tibetan where they're, they're from Eastern Tibet and they, yeah. and they live in Nepal as well. Yeah. They, they have their own language mm-hmm. in the film. The Sherpas speak Japanese. Because <laughs> I guess 
the closest uh, Asian actors that they could get were Japanese actors. And, and like, we don't like, speak your language, speak, speak Japanese. If you, yeah. if you know, no one will know the difference. No one will know the difference back then and in no. 19, in 1954, a lot of people probably didn't know the difference. No, 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 but, no, no. but anyone with a decent yeah. knowledge of, of uh, Asia, you don't even have to speak Japanese to recognize it. I think if you've been traveling through, or studied any bit Most of Asian history. Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like now a lot of people can recognize Korean when they hear it. Right. So, yeah. so anyway, so the snow creature, it's, it's a short movie though. It's like an hour long. So okay. it's, it's good for a laugh. Watch it and just laugh while watching it. Okay. So, I'll look for that one. Uh, an excellent film. Kwai Dan. Um, one of my favorite films. It's a Japanese anthology horror Speaking film. Speaking of Japanese. Speaking of Japanese. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, it's based on folklore, Japanese folklore. Um, stems actually from a book that's also called Kwaiden. Mm-hmm. And Kwaiden translated roughly means strange tale, st- mm-hmm. strange story. But there is one of the stories in that is called The Woman of the Snow. Mm-hmm. It's a beautifully shot a movie. And I think it's this movie that inspired Quentin Tarantino's scene Kill in Kill Bill One. Yes, huh. I think it was this film that inspired uh, his cinema- cinematography or shooting or the writing of that scene. Anyway, mm-hmm. the way it's shot, slow, s- slowly falling snow and whatnot, just a beautiful. Quite a great film. And then that one in particular, The Woman of the Snow. Mm. And the last one, I think a, a winter movie that people don't really realize it's a winter movie if they haven't seen it, The Invisible Man, the original. The original. The 19th, yep. Claude Rains giving one of the best performances in Hollywood history um, and his first starring role. And he was, they're like, we need you to when you're on screen, except for like 30 seconds at the end, we need you to not show your face. And he's like, I'll take the job. Yep. So he realized that I'm no one's going to see me for the majority of this film. Mm-hmm. So I, I better be pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And he's fantastic in that. It's yeah. almost, almost a perfect film. Almost he got, perfect. He's got, but, he got a, He got a mention at the opening of Rocky Horror Picture Show. The first song, science fiction. Claude Rains was the invisible man. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> okay, it's, it's, it's in the, it's in there. Right, good. Well, it's fantastic. It's almost a perfect film, except for Una O'Connor. Now, Una O'Connor is famous among classic horror fan, film fans. She hams it up. Oh, she's really? in, she's in the Bride of Frankenstein. She's famous for screaming. Yeah. And James Whale directed both films, directed The Bride of Frankenstein and The Invisible Man. And um, I think when he he had her in The Invisible Man, he he just told her to go nuts. He's like, just go crazy. And she just screams and screams. She's annoying. She's really obnoxious. And I, I know she's really well loved by the horror community. I'm, I'm of the side that's like, I know really small doses and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and she, it, the invisible man would be a perfect film if it wasn't for her acting. Mm. He, she's reined in uh, James whale rain reined her in when, 
when she did uh, the bride of frankenstein she's yeah, not because even that's kind of like that scream is kind of because we are okay we always expect okay the modern times we expect women who are, who look have that look to be more like morticia adams than off oh, the kilter screaming you know morticia adams has that sort of like cool ice goth vibe mm. well uno o'connor was her characters are always like the the obnoxious old woman who lived next door who doesn't mind her own business mm. that's that's her character mm. always and uh yeah i just don't like her so the invisible man is a fantastic movie i love it it's almost perfect if not for her and it is a winter film the opening scene is a is fantastic it's shot so well where claude rains is is walking through the snow and it ends in the snow as well. Claude Rains is walking through the snow. That's a good name for a, uh, that's a good line in a, like a, a song. You know, Bela Lugosi is dead. Claude Rains is walking through the snow. Some, some like 1980s uh, Echo and the Bunny Men or something like that. Sounds good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we got any listener yeah. mail? Yeah, we got a short one, and this is from TripAdvisor. This is just a, a review, a recent review, because we've been doing quite a few tours recently. Yeah, uh, This is from Cam, and Cam says, I absolutely loved learning the history of Seoul and hearing old Korean tales. This is a must-do tour, whether it's your first time to Korea or you've lived here for years. Oh, wonderful. Ah, Thank you, Cam. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, yeah, just to remind you, yeah, we got we got other stuff going on. I mean, we, we do early in the show, we have a little ad focusing on the comic, but uh, pointing out that the comic is available. If some of you have, have gotten some of your holiday money and didn't get everything you wanted, <laughs> we got the comic around. Uh, we want to thank Sardak Sun uh, for our opening and closing music, which you can find on Bandcamp under Jeju Digital, amongst other lovely, uh, quite ambient works. And I, I would say ambient because they, they create mm. ambiance. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Good stuff. We'd like to thank our top tier patrons, Angel Earl, Joel Bonamini, Sharon Cullen, Devin Hifner, Minsuk Lee, Alex Radia, Ryan Berkabal, Gabby Palomino, Steve Marsh, Chad Strauss, Mitchie Brewer, Sarah Ford, Tony A., Sean Brown, and Ashley Rigby. If you, too, want to join this cadre of cadavers, just go to patreon.com slash soul And starting at just $5 a month, you get a lot of extra content. Thank you for supporting us. Yeah. All right, man. Everyone, just really be warm. Warm, warm, without the carbon monoxide. Just saying that. Yeah. Until next time, stay spooky. <laughs>